Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Steve Hilton Show. Today is Wednesday, the 23rd of August. That's when we are taping this. I don't know when you'll be listening to it, but um, hopefully today on Wednesday, the 23rd of August, because it is the day of the first Republican primary in the presidential race. Big day. Fox News hosting the debate happening tonight in Milwaukee. And guess who is here to do the preview? We're doing our own preview. All the channels are doing previews and post-debate. And now, why shouldn't we do it as well on this show? So that's what we're doing. Hopefully, you get a chance to listen to this before the debate or soon after or whatever, and you can figure out how all our predictions are completely wrong and we're useless pundits and all the rest of it. So here joining me is our friend Jen Horn. Great, great to see you, Jen. I've missed you, Stephen. Watch out, Brett and Martha. We're going to just come right through and, exactly. and take over on the debate coverage. I love it. Wouldn't that Welcome be great? Back. All right. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, exactly. Great time away in Alaska. Now I'm back in the thick of it. Um, so look at look at this debate. So obviously there's there's some obvious points to make. Trump won't be there. The others are there uh, battling it out, I guess, for for number two is is the sort of main goal. A lot of people have pointed that out. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts on it, but I've, you know, Love to hear what you think. What are you looking out for? Who are you excited about? What do you think? You know, there's, well, there's so much. First of all, as a political nerd, I get excited about debates no matter what. And so this one will be incredibly interesting. I'm sad that we won't get to see President Trump on the stage, but I think he's making the right choice given his legal challenges right now. He's so far ahead in the polls and he's already been president. So I do think ultimately, strategically, it's the right move for President Trump probably not to be there. But I'd miss the jabs, of course, the sparring with him and Chris Christie and the others. I do think today's debate is going to be more about who knocks themselves out rather than who wins. I think because mm, we are so we are so early the debate tonight will probably pose a bigger opportunity for people to get lost or to start scattering and thinning out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if winning is as important as not losing. And so that's I think that's a great that's, way of putting it. I think that's yeah. exactly right, especially these people who are I mean I'll get to the the names in a second but just mm-hmm. on the Trump point Another way of looking at that, which I think is interesting um, for those who may not be even Trump supporters or even anyone who's just looking at it purely through the lens of, you know, I just want good information about what's happening in this incredibly important election. You could say, actually, um, it's a good thing that he's not there because obviously we all know if he was there, he'd be totally dominant, right? Right. That, That was just, we know for all the reasons that we don't need to go into. He would completely dominate everything. Most of the sound bites and the clips and the, all the stuff that you'd see would be, you know, he'd probably be in them or, or in, in exchange with someone or so on. Now he won't be there. Actually, it does give the, an opportunity for other people to shine. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, if you're interested in seeing, you know, what's going on and who the candidates are and just learning a bit more about them, then from that point of view, just from a non-partisan objective point of view, it's actually a good thing. A lot of people say, oh, it's terrible. He's scared. I don't think he's scared. I think he's making a, a calculation that a lot of front runners have made in the past, which is like why, um, you know, t- take a risk of this sort when you're so far ahead. And That's I think right. if, you know, if that changes, then the strategy changes. But right now, I think for him, he's making the right choice. But actually, I think it is in a weird way, a kind of, I don't want to sound pompous, uh, but like, I don't want to, I'm not even going to say benefit to democracy. It's not, it's not <laughs> as, you know, not like that. I hate people who talk like that. But it's just, you know, um, I think it's it's useful for people who are just literally trying to learn about these candidates. We, You and I follow it. We know them all um, very well. But like most, a lot of people won't have heard of any of them, really, yeah. with the exception of maybe Mike Pence and whatever. And so I think it's good for, from that point of view. 
Yeah, and a lot of first-time voters who are getting to know this is our, our bench, and I think it's an extremely talented and and bright bench. And so I think it, it's good to get to know these guys and women because we're going to see them for for a while, certainly moving forward. I'll share with you real quick while we're on Trump before we move on to these candidates. You know, my big idea, and actually I can't take all the credit for it, my very, very, very liberal mom, who does not agree with me on politics, does not like President Trump, will not vote yep. for him, I will be voting for him most likely. She says, you know, he should turn himself in in it. Atlanta. He should turn himself in in Georgia at 4.30 on <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to suck all the air out of the room for the I debate, know. that would have been the plan. But now we know that's not going to happen. It's but tomorrow. Yeah. It would have been an it's interesting Thursday. strategy. Now, I exactly. am excited to see uh, Ron DeSantis has been tanking, as we know. Um, this is There's got to be a lot of pressure on him. He'll still be sitting in the center of the stage. But he's got a lot of competition in Vivek Ramaswamy. Absolutely. So, He's been the most interesting to me to watch through all of this. I think he's getting almost everything right. I do take issue with some of his foreign policy, and I think that comes from maybe his age and not from his experience. Um, So we'll see if he softens. I don't like that he's not supportive of Israel. I've heard a few foreign policy points, but everything else from Vivek has been, been really good, and I think that he will be fun to watch. I also think that of everybody on the stage, he'll probably be the biggest defender of Donald Trump when people start trying to slam him, his personality or yes. his legal woes. Although DeSantis was told in that ridiculous, in the memo that was published, let's get into that, and that he should be yeah. the main defender. Let's get into that. I, I want to talk about DeSantis in a minute, but I just want to um, gently challenge perhaps something that you said earlier when yeah. you talked about the very politely about the incredible bench and the talent and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of true, of course. And we've talked about some of the cl- clearly talented and, you know, d- whatever you think of DeSantis, very accomplished, very effective as a governor, particularly we love the way he stood up to the COVID madness. That's all true. But not everyone on that stage, I think, comes into that category. And I'm thinking no. in particular of the, the guy who I just have no clue what he's doing here, <laughs> which is Asa Hutchinson. Like, what is this guy doing? I mean, OK, fine. You were governor of Arkansas. That's great. OK, but like, what are you doing? He had I mean, he's a total non-entity politically, as far as I'm concerned, completely. What why is he running in this? Like, he's not saying anything different or original. If you want the kind of anti-Trump thing, then Chris Christie does that a thousand times better. As far as I can figure out, that is the Asa Hutchinson pitch, which is I'm the anti-Trump. Well, not really. Not when you've got Chris Christie there. I mean, (laughs) no one thinks he's going to be. Why is he doing this? It's just so frustrating to me. He's way all the others. I well, actually, I would even put Mike Pence in this category. I can't stand Mike Pence. I've been very clear about that. I think he's totally. (laughs) I I think there's something about his. His fake sincerity that just gives me the creeps. I just. But he's so good at pumping gas. Oh my gosh, I cannot bear Mike Pence. (laughs) And he, and he, I've always, you know, I really have always just really disliked, just he seems so insincere, the fake sincerity, I can't stand it. (laughs) But anyway, he is, I would just want a substantive point of view. What does he bring to the table, right? In terms, there's no original, I haven't heard him say anything original. Nikki Haley, I mean, I think policy wise, he, he doesn't bring anything that she doesn't, at least she's got some flair to her and she's kind of interesting and you know, a lot of people have a problem with her on, on various grounds. But like, what what's the point of Mike Pence being in it? No one thinks he's going to win, just like Asa Hutchinson. Whereas you could look at Tim Scott. He's got a really interesting message to bring. For sure. Um, DeSantis, obviously, Vivek, we'll talk about them in a minute. They're the main two I think it's worth talking about. I think about. that's the you bench know, I talk Chris about. Christie, right. Even Chris Christie, he's got a role, right? You may not right. like it, but there's something, you know, okay, he's going to be pugilistic. He's going to hit Trump. Fine. 
that there's a role for that if that's what you want. But but Pence and Hutchinson, I cannot see the point. And then the final thing I'd say is it's very sad, I think a travesty, that our friend Larry Elder won't yeah. be on the debate. It seems to me he was very close. He's now engaged in a fight with the RNC, suing them, I believe, about whether he met the criteria or not. But again, he's someone who really brings something to the table, original. His arguments about the decline of, of family breakdown and absent fathers being at the root of so many of our problems, no one else is saying that about race in America. No one else is talking about that in the way that he does. He would really bring something useful and good to that debate. It's a real shame he's not there. Truly, I think that the RNC, more than anything, I think the the takeaway from the debate before we've even seen it is that I'm really disappointed in the RNC. No matter what their decisions have been in the past, I've always said we do better than the DNC. We at least let the mm -hmm. people pick the candidate rather than yeah. the party yeah. picking the candidate. Great. But I'm I, I'm unsure that that's the case at this point. And I can't believe that they would set up a stipulation for the first debate. Look, I get we can't have everybody on the stage in the first debate. But remember in 2016, they had the main stage, then they had the kids table debate. Yes. yes. The reason I think that that's important is because it sends the message that you don't have to be an establishment swamp politician mm -hmm. because those are the people's names that we know, right? We don't know. Uh, some people know Larry Elder from radio, but they're not as familiar as someone like Mike Pence, who's been the vice president. And so I believe in a stipulation of donors because you have to have enough people supporting you financially to make a go of it. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily buy into having a certain percentage in the polls because the point of the debate is to get the people to know who you are, particularly yeah. the first debate. Bring in the polling in debate number two. But in debate number one, let's just talk about people who viably have supporters out there point. and the grassroots. Forget the forget yeah. the polls. And the fact that the RNC would give him trouble about Rasmussen, when Rasmussen was the group that got 2016 right, the RNC themselves cite Rasmussen polls all the time, but yet they won't let Larry Elder do that. It's a really big shame. And I think it ultimately leads to the, the fact that the RNC, and I'll say it, thinks that DeSantis was going to be their guy and they're trying everything they can to give him a leg up. And I'm sorry to see that because I don't want our party, no matter whether this becomes the party of Trump or somebody else, to be taking on the model of the Democrats in which it's the party elite and the donor class that are picking our candidates for us. I don't stand for that. And I think that'll be the biggest threat to the Republican Party if they don't change their ways. Really well said. Thank you. Yeah, and and I didn't know all the details there. Um, it was the Rasmussen yeah, poll the Rasmussen on Larry poll, Elder. That, that's right. Uh, first of all, great point on the Democrats, where the party picks the candidate, not the people. That's exactly what happened. That's why we're stuck with Biden. That's, I mean, that's right. That's how they stitched it up. Um, so that's that. Um, on Larry, I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, this is someone who's run for office mm -hmm. in the biggest state in the uh, union, got million, got more votes than and anyone else pretty much on there. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just sort of guessing, but just because the size of California, did, for the sure. number of people who positively, affirmatively voted for him uh, is higher than most of the other people on the stage. So, you know, it's, and, and it is, it's this quibble on the poll. And that is also ridiculous because anyone who knows anything about polling, right? So the level, the standard that they've set, I think, I can't remember the exact details on the donors. It's something like 40,000 different unique donors, it was. at mm -hmm. least 200 from 20 states or something like that to show that you're just not your home state. 
you know, I agree with you. That's a good sort of base. And it's pretty low, actually, for someone who's, if you're aspiring to be president, if you can't meet that, you know, you really haven't got much. Correct. But on the polling, it's ludicrous because I think the standard is, it's so kind of twisted. It's all these micro little details. But the main one is you've got to be scoring 1% or higher in, mm -hmm. in one of these polls that they approve. 1%, everyone who knows anything about it, the margin of error on pretty much every poll is plus or minus 3%. So That's what right. does it even mean to have like 1% and if you're 0.9, you're out, but if you're 1.1, you're in? It's a joke. There's and a 3% margin of error. That's right. It's an excellent, excellent point. And if you're not going to allow a certain poll, you tell the candidate that at the beginning. I was talking to Larry all day on Monday. I was hosting America First. I was hosting Dr. Sebastian Gorka's show. I was filling in for him. And I'm literally every break texting Larry back and forth, who has been working it, barely had a voice, finds out that he's a, he's a candidate. So excited about that, right? He like He made it. And the fact that the RNC turns it back and says, well, we don't accept Rasmussen because it's, and I'm using air quotes here, yeah. a Trump poll. What does that tell you about Wait, the, the RNC? RNC said that? That's what they said to him. They That's said that outrageous. it was a Trump poll. You can watch Larry's videos are up there on Instagram. He will spell it all out. But he says it's a they say it's a poll that is associated with Donald Trump. So Larry called Rasmussen and the Rasmussen people said Donald Trump has not paid for a poll in any 2024 polling. So this is not a Donald Trump polling company. This, and then he turned in. So then when they told him Rasmussen wouldn't work, Larry said, well, I have another poll that I'll turn in that shows me at 1%. Mm -hmm. They said, well, you're past the deadline now because it no. took him right up until the deadline to turn in his information. And then because they won't accept Rasmussen, they're not giving him another it's chance. It's worse to than I it. thought. It is absolutely a travesty. And it makes me furious because this tells me that the RNC is not only working against Larry Elder, but they also have a bad taste about Donald Trump, who has 70 yeah. percent support with their base of voters. And something else I learned, if you want some more intel, yeah. is that every candidate who is up on that stage not only had to have the individual donors, not only had to have the, the three polls polling 1% or more, they also had to sign the candidate pledge. But one thing they don't tell you is that each and every one of those candidates have to turn their mailing list over to the RNC. Wow. So that means that the RNC can fundraise off the backs of all of these candidates, which is fine wow. if everybody's playing together. But again, if you're starting to play favorites, this just seems to, to stink a little bit. And I think it's got to be something we address and we put the pressure on and tell them it's not acceptable now before we do go down that road. It's, it's exactly the kind of thing I think of Harmeet at this point, you know, because yeah. she, this is the kind of thing she was talking about. It's exactly she right. Ran she's, for the RNC. Yeah. she's been warning about this. And unfortunately, she couldn't get the support together to to try to give power back. But this is, again, the biggest split that's happening. And it's happening here in California. And you've seen it. I know, Stephen, the Republican Party, where the split is on between the establishment and the grassroots. And I think it's more than just California. I think now at this point, it's actually the National Party as well. Interesting. And, well, and, it's very interesting. This I didn't know all those details. It's, thank you for that. It's, it's, yeah, it's, no problem. I, mean, even, I, I was I was really kind of you know angry about it just on the basis that I think the polling thing, thing is ludicrous on its face, right? Mm -hmm. but, but then you've made such great arguments and these details about how they've treated him. It's yeah. terrible. So he's trying to sue. He is suing. But I mean, it's a bit late. Alongside I think, was he it, he wanted thing? to halt. Yeah, he wanted to halt the debate. You know, and it's unlikely that's going to happen. And he had Perry Johnson along with him, who, again, is a candidate that not many people know, but apparently felt that he met the criteria as well and got aced out. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Larry. But 
for him, his candidacy depends on being on that debate stage so that he can tell that what he always America said. who he is. Yeah. That, and we, we talked to him many times and, you know, we always said, OK, great. We love your message and so on. What's the plan? How are you going to you know, make this happen? Yeah. Always is what once I'm on the debate stage and I lay it all out, people will know that was his. I mean, it's, it's outrageous, actually. Outrageous. Okay, let's let's move on and talk about some of the other people. And I do want to squeeze in a couple of L.A. stories if we can at the end. Sure. Um, California stories, but you're in L.A., so. And, and you've got this lovely <laughs> background. People can't see who are listening, um, but you've got this beautiful L.A. background um, for the I first do. time. Which I'm, um, Ours, you know, in very, and we're like synergy, too. We've got like the pastel sky, exactly, which I like. Exactly. It's very good. Um, so let's get to Vivek in a minute. Let's talk about um, DeSantis. Because okay. it's really amazing to me what's going on with his campaign. You know, the, 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 again, just being objective here. I'm not mm -hmm. endorsing or unendorsing or being against anyone. I'm just trying to be bring some professional judgment to it based on I've had a lot of experience in, in, in this field in um, campaigns. It's just really striking to me how bad the campaign has been. And, and you yeah. just wonder who's around him, what's going on, every aspect of it. The message, the delivery, even the visual aspects, you know, which are really important, actually. Mm -hmm. um, just a tiny thing that really bothers me. But like most of these images you now see with him wandering around in these terrible shirts. I mean, I know this sounds <laughs> trivial and people know, will think, oh, it, but like, it really matters, right? The impression that you create. And mm -hmm. it doesn't see, and, and especially for someone who's going to be the president of the United States, the commander in chief, there's something about that. Or you demand, you know, it doesn't mean every single, I mean, Trump carries it off pretty well, just having the suit in pretty much every situation. Um, and sometimes with the type, but you know, and actually Trump uses this phrase, you know, he's got the look or she's got the look. He yeah. uses that exact phrase. It's important. It matters. You can't. Mm -hmm. And if you, and if you don't take that seriously, you're not a serious candidate actually. And DeSantis, like all the image and, and of course TV and everyone's watching and he's just wandering around these events looking just not at all like a serious candidate for ver for the highest office. Whereas yeah. you look at someone like Vivek and just seems to be judging, you know, when he's smart, he's smart. When he's casual, he's not. And, you know, I just think it's it's um very odd. But then, you know, that's just one aspect of the way that the DeSantis campaign just seems to be misfiring all over the place. I and mean, I can't remember since he launched when there's been a good moment or something yeah. that's gone well. All the stories have been negative and it's not just the kind of anti-Republican media that have pointed this out. He's just, it's just odd how bad the campaign is. Because he was supposed to be the front runner. Um, he was supposed to be Donald Trump. And I'll point out that in all the early voting states, as late as February, Ron DeSantis was beating Donald Trump in California, in New Hampshire. You name all the places that vote early, he was winning. And so it's been such a shift. And look, the indictments I mean, against yeah. Donald Trump have, that's nothing that Ron DeSantis can control. That's something that happened. They missed their mark and people are supporting Donald Trump more and more wildly because they realize that he's being persecuted and there's a weaponized Department of Justice, which needs to be stopped. That being said, I have always been a Trump supporter. I will vote for Donald Trump again. But I was hopeful that Ron DeSantis, when I talked about that bench early on, would be the guy on our bench. I was hoping that Ron DeSantis would be ready to be a candidate in 2028 because mm -hmm. he had done a great job leading Florida. He had the right press. He had the right he had the right branding. But what I think's happened to him, Steve, and I'd like to say it was bad campaign advice. And in some respects, it was with like the the bumpy launch on Twitter, the fact that they had to change the law in Florida before he jumped into the race. So he jumped in way too late, I think, officially. But 
what's really happening is he's having a crisis of self-identity. I don't think he knows who he is yet. And I hate to say that because I hope that he can repair this because I think he has a future still if he can get over this. But he struggles to figure out how to talk to people, who to be. Should he be snarky? Should he be uh, serious? Should he be someone who's kind to Donald Trump? Should he be someone who's mean to Donald Trump? Should he talk about Trump supporters? I mean, he's had some major failures with the listless vessel stuff, no matter how you took it, people are taking it to mean Trump supporters. And so that is problematic. And I think he is struggling to find out who he is as a candidate. And that's what's not resonating. It's it's the authenticity that's that's missing. I think that's what's missing for you about Mike Pence. That's what's missing for everybody about Ron DeSantis. He's lost the ability to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, I think he is struggling so much and he's so insecure about how he's supposed to present himself that that's really resonating as someone who's flip-flopping all over the place. I think that's really smart analysis. And I think that you I mean, he'll, he'll hate this comparison. Mm-hmm. Um there's probably not a worse comparison I could make, but it's that this is the issue with Kamala Harris. This totally. is why she's so bad because she doesn't know who, who who she is and what she's trying to be. You know, I've yep. made this argument that actually, if you look at her record and the things she said before going and you know to the presidential arena, she's a pretty kind of tough on crime, actually quite a moderate Democrat actually. But then she knows that doesn't play. In today's Democratic Party, who've gone completely nut nut off the you know far, <laughs> far left fringe, so she's controlled by the activists and the unions, yeah. and we see that every day. So she's oh, I've got to be like that. So then she talks about all the, and she's not comfortable, and she doesn't know. And I think that's exactly why she it comes out with her in all these weird ways because she doesn't yeah. really know who she's trying to be. And so when you're trying to be everything to everybody, you're no one to you're just no one. And I I'm hopeful. Because as much as Ron DeSantis has made me mad and disappointed, I still think he has a future. I hope he gets it together. I don't think this is his year. I could be all wrong. You'll we'll laugh and say it, but I, I just don't think it's it. <laughs> this I is think, our I, prediction, Joe. I know. Like, I can't. Oh, it's I, DeSantis, he won the night and now he's yeah. our guy. Yeah. And look, if he's up against Biden, I'll vote for him. But to me, he is like a piece of meat on a grill who still needs a little more seasoning. Maybe he comes back. <laughs> oh my God, I don't I'm know. glad you completed that sentence yeah okay. he's like a piece of meat no that's vivek I, without a shirt on okay so <laughs> let's talk about vivek okay i just wrote a piece in mm-hmm. the uk i said every occasion i write for the the daily mail which people may not know who listen uh here in I america is a newspaper as well in, in and actually is better known in the well actually now the website is just very dominant but um it's an actual physical newspaper, the Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday. And I write newspaper articles for them so you can, that are print articles. And I wrote what well, they are, and I do that from time to time. More often than not, uh, you know, talking about American politics and providing a bit of an insight into what's going on here. And they are, and, and actually I suggested something about Vivek because he's totally unknown in, mm-hmm. in the UK. He's not that well known here. But I just thought people should, should you know, before the first debate, you know, keep an eye on this guy, you know, in the UK. So I wrote this piece. So I had to think about why um, I like him so much. And I just should be very clear that I do. And as I said in the article, he's I know him a little bit. We talk from time to time. He's been a frequent guest on this podcast, on my show on Fox and so on. So, you know, that there's a, there's a, there's a connection that I should be transparent sure. about that. But I think the thing about him that's so great, obviously, there's this there's a kind of some you know, personality and, and behavior things like he's so energetic. I think people like that. He's just all, he's just everywhere. I think people like the fact that he goes into the media and, and sort of argues with Don Lemon and, and you know, fights back and he's not afraid of anything and isn't, mm-hmm. and is just everywhere and goes to any place and 
and, um, and makes the argument. And I think when he makes his argument, it's, it's, you know, he's calm and polite and with a smile on his face and he's a sort of happy warrior. I think those kind of behavior things, I think, are very attractive. But I think the, the basic, and I think also the, the, he's got this great combination of authenticity and intellect like he just yes. comes you can tell he's really really clever and smart yes and he knows his stuff and he talks about history and policy in a very knowledgeable way and i think that is impressive but the real thing with him i think that is that i think has really resonated is his message actually mm -hmm. which is a very deep but simple message and the way i kind of summarized it for this daily mail article was that you know his argument is that the decline of faith family and patriotism in America has meant that people, Americans have lost their sense of purpose and meaning and America has lost its way. And that's what we need to get back. I think that really resonates with people. It's a deep thing. It's not just, you know, I'll cut your taxes, be tough on crime, the right. usual kind of, you know, classic politician slogans. Of course, we need to do those things. But like he's got a deeper, deeper message. And I think that's what people are responding to. It's it's a it's a commentary on our culture. And I think you're absolutely right. He's young. He's exciting. He's smart. He's well spoken. He looks like he has life. And when you compare that to uh, to Sleepy Joe, it is it's just like <laughs> night and day. I mean, literally, I think the other thing about Vivek is that he has been really smart. He's got smart instincts in how to run his campaign. Um Yes. I'm sure most of the candidates on the stage wish that they had never heard the name Donald Trump. But the truth is that Donald Trump still is in the hearts and the minds and in the, the on the ballots of many of the Republican Party. And so you have to figure out how to navigate your campaign with this person who's in there and who's stealing a lot of the oxygen from the room. And what's really smart about Vivek is he's gone to the courthouse when Trump's been indicted. He has spoken about how the Department of Justice is being weaponized against an opposition leader. He has talked about how we as citizens have been targeted, whether we're Catholics or we're parents or whatever it might be, that this is a, a target of the left, that they want to shut down people that don't agree with them. And he's been really wise not to isolate the Trump voter. Ron DeSantis has not done that. He has isolated the Trump voters who would have been the very people that would have elected him. So it's, it's, very smart. His instincts are right on. I think he has a, a bright career, whether he is a vice presidential pick or maybe he's in a cabinet. He's got a, I think he's got a long and yes. big future ahead of him if he wants it. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I, and, and, and actually one of the things I did just to be fair and present this, you know, exactly to the UK, to the UK audience who never heard of this guy was, you know, what are the criticisms? Yeah. There are criticisms sure. of him. One of them, the, the main one is to your point just now, well, the critics say He's just sucking up to Trump and suck Trump voters and it's kind of pandering. Um, yeah. But actually, when you hear his arguments, particularly that courthouse one, no, it's rooted in in a le legal art, in a principle. And he right. makes the argument very strongly that actually that prosecution, because that was the one where he went to the to Miami, he said that prosecution is a persecution. It's political persecution. It's on, mm -hmm. on a novel legal theory that's basically mean made up in order to get Trump. And, and that's not acceptable in a constitutional republic. And so he's got a very strong argument of principle um, for these things. And I just think also on the he's been you know, on the on the foreign policy thing. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit unfair on Israel. That was a Nikki Haley attack. I think yeah. his argument on Israel because he because the, the general knock on him on foreign policy always too isolationist. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, it, again, there, he, you know, his response would be, well, 
I, you know, I want to end the war in, in Ukraine, but mainly I want to, with diplomacy, because it's ridiculous and we just, all this money's going over and nothing, for what? Nothing's happening, actually. Right. No one's winning, no one's losing. Let's just end the war, stop the killing, stop the money going over. By the way, why aren't the Europeans paying more? Um, yeah, and these and, are all great but, questions. But, but then he says, why? Because the real threat is China and mm -hmm. we have to break up this military alliance between Russia and China, which is a real threat. That's not isolationist. That's like really engaging with the real world. And well, and he also speaks about India. And that's something not a lot yes, of politicians yes, talk yes. about. And so this is where I give him the props for some of his foreign policy is that he recognizes the importance of bringing India to America's side and pulling them away from China. It would be an incredibly, incredibly powerful move oh my to gosh, get India away from China and Russia. Thing. Exactly. Absolutely. And, we, and I've for years I've argued going back mm -hmm. to my time in the UK, you know, like decade, more than a, that we should, you know, dump China partnership with India. That's the future. Absolutely. India's a democracy, speak English. There's all these, you know, it's ridiculous that we're, and it's a bigger country now. There's, the population is going to be bigger, you know, and the growth opportunity mm -hmm. with it. Anyway, that's exactly right. I, th I wanted to also say um, in terms of, in terms of his, you know, the, the other, the other thing I think is just, he's so, um, I mean, I don't want to go on and on about, you know, I, I, clearly I'm, I'm, you know, uh, like him very much. Me but too. I think that, the, that there's a there's a kind of, you know, he elevates the conversation in a way you don't see from these other candidates. And I think that is really important. And there's he engages there's, with the people yelling at him in a exactly. crowd, which I love. And that's your style. And that's my style, Steve. When forget it, like we can all have different ideas. This is America. Like, let's talk about them. I know. And, and he doesn't great. shut and I love people he, down, and which he doesn't shut people. And he do, and he has a real conversation and argue. And he's confident enough to argue. Mm -hmm. Two examples. One was actually with me. One with that that clip that we saw. I think it was in Iowa with the was it the pansexual person? Yes. Do you remember that? What well, person? I, do. I guess we should say whatever person you know, said. What do you think of LGBT? And he and he and he really engaged in the question in an intelligent mm -hmm. way that wasn't patronizing, not some brush off sloganizing sort of thing. He said, well, I don't think it is a community for these reasons and that. Da, da, da. What do you think? It's just really impressive. It's just re confidence in his intellectual argument. I asked him once um, on I can't remember whether this show or Fox. Um, what are your plans? Because I know it's a big part of his his policy plan to rein in. That was my phrase, mm -hmm. the administrative state and the federal bureaucracy. And he said, actually, I don't agree with the premise of your question because you can't rein it in, I think. Um, you just have to close it down. And he went on to explain. Wow. And, and it was brilliant because I completely agree with him. And that was my experience back in the UK government that you can't. And, and, and so he but I like the way he kind of took the point and turned it into, I don't know, and, and engaged with it directly and in a real way. It was very impressive. Let's just, I don't, we have too much time left and I want to make sure we talk about some of the others that I think, you know, whatever their chances may be, they have something original to say. Mm -hmm. And so that's interesting. Tim Scott. I mean, there was a lot I of love attention on Tim Scott when he came in and still he's kind of bubbling there as people say he's got his great life story and he's such a happy mm -hmm. warrior and he's positive and sunny and great for the Republican brand. What do you, what do you think of where his campaign is at right now? I think he is the nicest. I think he's probably the nicest candidate up on that stage. I don't know them all personally, but I just feel like he is a genuinely good guy. And I genuinely believe he's serving this country for the right reasons. I don't think that he is in there. I mean, obviously everybody is in there for, for certain reasons that involve their ego, but I believe that he is in there trying to do good for a country that he loves. 
That being said, I think he's been struggling a lot, and mm-hmm. I thought that he would do a lot better than he did. But you know what? He's losing footing, um, just finding a place for his message. He's not landing the wrong message. Mm-hmm. He's just not getting a great opportunity to to get out there because you have the story of DeSantis kind of tanking. You have Vivek Ri- or Vivek rising. You have Trump getting indicted. So you have these three people who are really grabbing a lot of yeah. of the air. Chris Christie as well. So my prediction actually just relating back to the date debate tonight is that Ron DeSantis probably has a lot to lose because he needs to somehow regain his strength. But I actually think Tim Scott could be the one who gets the most to gain because he's going to remind people who he is again. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to tell people his story again. I I just need to see from him, and this is difficult because he's a nice person. I think he's got to show a little fight. So I hope that we see in the debate him engaging with someone like a Chris Christie or someone that will surprise Chris Christie so that he can get a, he can land a few punches and he can show that he's got that toughness that I think people look for to make sure that they don't just get caught up in becoming a wallflower in the race. And do you think, great, um, I agree with all of that. Do you think, Nikki, let's just cover the, the ones we haven't dis- discussed. Nikki Haley, what do you think she needs to do, could do? Is it all over for her? What What do you think about her? You know, the sad thing is that I am such a big fan of women, and I don't mean that sexually, so none of you funny jokes out there. <laughs> but I mean, I'm a fan of seeing women who are, who are doing great things and who are breaking ceilings. And I want to root for Nikki Haley, and I have a problem. And I don't know why. I just, I feel like it's an enthusiasm issue for me. I just feel like I can't get overly excited about Nikki Haley. I hope she can change that. But up until this point, I mean, I think that she did some great things in the UN. I think she did some great things as governor. Um, I just think that she has an, an enthusiasm issue where there's not a lot of excitement there. And I wish I could verbalize it or explain it better, but I just sort of yeah. feel like it's, um, it's kind of like mashed potatoes without salt. Oh my God. That's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. No, my you know gosh. what I, it, it, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not bad. It's still mashed potatoes, but they'd be a whole lot better with oh some salt God. and pepper on them. And you, you know, that's interesting. I think that she's, yeah, it's interesting. It seems to me that she's the most, and maybe this is, this is the answer to your question of all of them, the most like a conventional politician. And like, I think that's what it is. She's just like a classic, not bad, very accomplished, smooth, great, you know, whatever yeah. knows what she's talking about, qualified, all those things are true, but just seems like an absolute, like if, you know, she could have been from 2004 or 1998. Totally. You could or see her next to Mitt Romney on the stage. Yeah. Whereas we've kind really, of how I feel. you know, maybe Trump, you know, where you, all these other, you know, Tim Scott is actually kind of different. He's got yeah. a different vibe, not, he's not kind of, and, and obviously Vivek and so on. So I think it's, it's a, uh, that's her. So I don't know how she breaks out of that, actually, in the debate, because you'd imagine her to be very good at the debate because she'll have mm-hmm. her lines and she'll be very polished. But actually, in a way, you could imagine that the the more she does that, the more she reinforces that she's a, she's, she's a real classic politician. And that's not what people are looking I do, for. I don't think she's going to tank herself, but I don't think she's going to do herself any favor. I think it's yeah. just going to be yeah. she's going to be one of those people that's probably going to stick around five percent. And and we'll see what happens, I guess. <laughs> no, we haven't talked about Doug Burgum. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a kind of fan in the sense that I like entrepreneurs. And he's a really amazing business success story. Started with nothing in uh, in, in North Dakota and built a, a, a software, you know, like really impressive tech company um, and sold it. And, and now he's governor of North Dakota. And I think he's a really good guy. And I yeah. think he's, he's, the way he talks about the economy is exactly right. He really knows about energy 
and he's all you know we've got to have you know energy independence and stop buying energy from our enemies and sell produce more and sell it to our friends you know he's he's good he's got a good economic message at this at the time we're taping that we don't even know if he's going to be there because he injured himself playing basketball and so he had was taken to the er and there's this question mark about whether he can stand for two hours or something something to do with his leg yeah poor thing i don't know i mean do you know they are. I, I know some people who are working with him, and their argument is: Well, dark horse candidates have, you know, governors of small states have done it before. Look at Bill Clinton, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what do you think? I think he wants to be Secretary of Energy. Um, I also think that he is compelling, and I think that if he can't make the debate stage tonight, his campaign is over. He needs to be on the cam- He needs to be on the stage tonight. He needs to be able to tell people who he is because no one knows. Vivek Ramaswamy, we play a clip on our show where he called him Doug Bagum or something like that. I mean, nobody <laughs> nobody knows. And so, and that's not necessarily his fault. He's got a lot of money. Yes, exactly. If, he- you, if, you're, if you've got two candidates and one's called Doug, and the right. other's called Vivek, but the Vivek one is the is the candidate everyone knows and knows how to pronounce his name correctly. Then you, you know, got you're a in trouble. you got a problem. And yeah. I also have started writing an imaginary book, Steve. Maybe you'd like to be one of my uh, co-writers on this. It's what not to do when you are a politician. And one of them is I'm tired of seeing, and I love Vivek. You can tell I'm a big fan. But the naked tennis, it's very Putin-esque. <laughs> I don't like that. I think that Doug Burgum is now breaking himself in half because he's playing basketball. So page one is enough with like the the sports stuff, you know, to try to get Instagram pictures. Uh, Page two is don't ever talk about gas because it's hurt many presidents when they don't know how much gas is. And certainly Mike Pence, who doesn't know how to pump gas. (laughs) And then on page three, it's don't drink beer unless you are a beer drinker for cameras. And that goes back to Elizabeth Warren, who would pass around her bottle of beer in her kitchen. And (laughs) our buddy Ron DeSantis, who if you haven't seen it, if you were on vacation and didn't see it, you've got to see this picture of Ron DeSantis holding a beer about his awkwardly i mean it looked like it's just bizarre and he's toasting everybody in this little group of like 12 people and it's just so awkward so unless you're a beer drinker don't drink beer for the camera put your shirt on when you're playing sports you know these are easy rules to follow for success i think we should do a manual (laughs) especially uh, on the shirtless topless front especially if you're chris christie thank you and don't fall asleep on an airplane (laughs) (laughs) that's page number four because someone will brutalize you oh chris christie you know he's a bigger guy and he fell asleep on the plane and he was kind of all splayed out and And so someone wearing a trump hat takes like the most unflattering picture that you can find of chris christie like from the nether regions if you know like shooting up and it was just Oh People my God! Look, there's a lot of re- you've given online. me a lot of research and our audience of things we need to go and check out. That's fantastic. <laughs> this is why Trump flies private because he's like nobody's going to take pictures of me <laughs> sleeping on a plane. <laughs> exactly. Very good. All right. Well, but let's see if um, see what happens in the debate. We'll yeah. we'll talk about it. I think I've, I've got a, I've got a um, uh, rush now, so I'm afraid we're not going to have time for Next the time. California stories. But but save it up because there's a brilliant one you mentioned, which is somehow. It's the right the, the retail thefts in Los Angeles. Car- yeah. Mayor Karen Bass is saying is something something to do with the right. It's my media. fault. It's your fault. It's a conservative exactly. fault. Yeah, it's a conservative media's fault. <laughs> so we'll get into that next time. Um, but for now, Jen, thank you so much. Um, great to to, to uh, see you today. Of course, you can listen to Jen. Um, and and actually, I'm going to tell you, I was at an event um, up in the not quite the Bay Area, just in Santa Cruz County, just south of the Bay Area, uh, last weekend. And someone said to me, oh, I love listening to you every Friday. Um, And I said, 
to them because I do I do Jen's show every Friday morning, um, which I always think of as Los Angeles AM eight seventy. Um, the morning answer. And I think of Los Angeles and you once said to me, no, it's Los Angeles and Southern California. So I often say mm -hmm. that, um, but this is like Santa Cruz County, the Northern part of the state. Um, yeah. And this lady said, no, I listen to you every Friday. And I, I thought she meant watch because I, as, as well as doing your show every Friday, I also do Stuart Varney's show on Fox business. So I said, oh, you mean you watch me on Varney? So no, no, I listen mm -hmm. on the radio with Jen and Grant and Amy and she did that in, I said, wait, that's incredible. You're, yes, I listen and I love it and it's great and you're fantastic. So there you are, your audience is statewide. Not, I so I should no, no longer say AM 870, the morning answer, Los Angeles and Southern California because you're all over California. It's now the world. The world. I'm the queen of the world. <laughs> Very good. So um, I look forward to seeing you there then on Friday. Um, you can follow Jen, of course, um, uh, on social media and we'll see you back here for the next um, episode of the Steve Fulton Show. Thank you.